As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. There's no crying in baseball! I ate his liver with some father beans. I skinned. If I can change, and you can change, everybody can change! And welcome to another episode of your next favorite movie. I'm your host, Josh G. And we're back with my monthly co-host. Please welcome Chad back to the show. What's up? And of course, his brother Chris is here. I don't recall. I don't Oh, recall. you don't recall being here? Well, you're here now. Oh, all the stuff you guys missed in the preamble before we actually start recording. I know, right? Uh, it's for the bloopers, for the bloopers. All right, so let's get it out of the way. Chris once again has won the poll. So for take like your bow. Fourth time, maybe? Mm-hmm. Four time, four time fourth champion. time champion. Four time champion. <laughs> Chris is like, for the fourth time, but who's counting? Who's counting? <laughs> I know. He's so humble. <laughs> <laughs> and then what won this, this time, Josh? Yep, we're going back to 1982. We're going to be talking about Mommy Dearest. Oh, wait a minute, guys. Let's get in the time machine and get back to 1982. So hang on to your chairs. Put on your seatbelts on. Let's go. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, we landed in 1982. Mommy Dearest is now on the marquee. (laughs) Starring Faye Dunaway. Starring Faye Dunaway. That is right. Directed by Frank Perry. No more hang on. This is my daughter, Christina. Hello, everybody. Tina, bring me the axe. Currently has a Rotten Tomato critic score of forty nine percent, so definitely not good. And the well, not good critically, but you know, not yeah, the next but time. Cult favorite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the well, audience, audience score jumps. Yeah, the audience score jumps up to seventy two percent. So that is see, see? much. So that means price. there's twenty what twenty eight percent of people out there that don't like the movie. Well, f them. Exactly, <laughs> they're missing out. Yeah, because I mean, really, are you? To be positive on Rotten Tomatoes, it just needs to be a positive score. It's not like you're giving it tens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't. It's because those people consider themselves. And by the way, too, real guys, movie watchers. Happy belated Mother's Day to everyone, because this is our Mother's Day episode, and this is what gave us our theme. That is correct. So is correct. why not go with the biggest Mother's Day of them all? We can go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, wasn't that one of the taglines for the movie after it came out? The biggest mother True. of them all. So yeah. there you go. Tina. Right. 
Bring a the axe. Bring the axe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's first let's get into this. The budget of this is ten million. How much do you think this made? Less than that. I'm going to say fast answer, Chris. I don't know. See, surprisingly, as much as they talk about this being the huge failure, it was what I found was it actually did make nineteen million, which is almost double what Damn. it cost. That was back back then, maybe twenty million. That would have been considered a successful movie. Yeah. So, but as we talked about those low critic score, we also know that this is. Probably one of the highest rated movies that won Worst Picture at the Razzies. Because it did win that. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was nominated for, I think, four other Razzies. Bunch of them being acting, of course, for Joan Crawford. And I guess Diana Scarwood as Christina. Probably older oh, Christina versus the It is older. One, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I know or that. Christina. I just don't know which one got nominated for what. Oh, okay. Got Maybe supporting. Who knows? Yeah. It's probably the adult Christina. I thought young Christina did really well in this. Well, we'll get into that. <laughs> I mean, she's fine. It's just, yeah, we'll get into it. Uh oh. Fight, fight, Apparently fight. Josh has some opinions. No, it's not that. I just have some issues with the ages and all that. You know, we'll get in there. Oh, I see. But I am going to kick it off because I'm going to kick it off with this opening scene because we see that the clock says it's 4 a.m. And not only is she waking up at 4 a.m., she's literally got a gloved hand. Like, who the fuck sleeps with gloves? Not me. I would that would be a sweaty mess if I had to sleep she's with gotta gloves. She's got to keep her hands moisturized. She can't exactly. have, she can't have uh, you liver know, spots. Liver spots. Yeah. And she can't have, you know, dry, you know, there's, farm hands. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of people who will there, do that. You it's know just part of the beauty of, routine. It, like, it reminded me of uh, Meryl Streep and Death Becomes Her yes. when she woke up. Yeah. And the maid comes in the morning. She's got, like, the thing wrapped around her face to keep the double chin yep. together. She had she's that got on the too. eye thing. Yep. She's got the gloves on. Rose, I think I need to hear it every morning. <laughs> Why, madam, you look younger every day. <laughs> and you're right, Chad. She, she, her, her, she woke up. Her head was wrapped as well. Let's mm-hmm. get up and pour a shit ton of ice into a bowl. Not Which ice apparently water. was a, a real thing that Joan Crawford did in real life. Right. She yeah. would pour out. I don't know what she poured in there. Chris said it was alcohol. I thought I thought it was alcohol. That she poured because I, I thought don't know if it was um, water or what. But she she poured something in there and like she would do her routine. And like I remember yeah. reading where Joan had a thing particularly about her elbows. Like she would scrub and moisturize the shit out of her elbows. Well, they said that she would. Well, for one, she'd use like hot water, and it's almost scolding like scolding hot, hot water. water. Yeah, and she had this thing where she like she scrubbed herself almost to the bone, and you know it's just part of her routine. And I think it was just to, for one, clear those pores, get them open, whatever she She's had a to do for sure. I yeah, think. and it was just part of her routine every morning. Yeah, well, you especially when she had a project, you know. Right, and you see her doing that, scrubbing the arms and face very hard and using mm-hmm, scolding yeah. hot water and then just burying her face into that bowl of ice. And I was just like, oh. Yep. Ooh, no thank Which you. apparently is actually really good for the skin because um, I remember, it's kind of like cryotherapy, I suppose. I remember reading that, I mean, there's a thing that people do where like they'll enjoy, you know, dipping into a hot tub or a hot spring and then they'll jump out and go running into the snow and like, you're going to like extreme cold temperatures. Apparently it's really good for the skin. I don't know. I've never done this before. It sounds like fun though. Right. 
But we know the whole point of is getting out of a hot tub and jumping into the pool. That'd be the closest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, really, the whole point we know is that she's trying to keep her skin nice. She's and trying hot to and clean. Yeah, and I think that's the thing too, because I mean, like part of the whole crux of this movie is that she's an aging star. Yeah, right. And it really sets up right from the beginning. It sets up a lot of things for you. It sets up that she's obsessed with her vanity. Mm-hmm. She's a control freak because everything has to be done in a certain it's way. It's neat, organized, and clean. It has to be organized, clean. And she's also, I think, very structured. Yes. And her disciplined. Life. Very disciplined. structured. Yeah, disciplined. she's very disciplined. I think that's the better word. Um, so it just kind of shows you what kind of person she is like right from the get-go and and we don't even see her face at this point right which i think is pretty interesting like you don't see her face through this whole opening but you see also like how clean really the rooms that we do get to see is of her house everything uh, is very like clinical they're ecstatic yeah you know like it's i I mean there's not a wrinkle in the bedding there's you know i mean it just it looks like like her home looks like a museum it looks like a show place not a not a home and she's had to do, I mean, that's the thing. She's had to do that her whole career. Part of that was for her career in order to keep up the appearances, not just mm-hmm. for the fans, because she loved her fans. That's one thing you will learn about is that she was always generous to her fans. Yeah. But part of it was also to appear for the studios and the mm-hmm. for the executives, for the managers and so Well, there's forth. that one scene where she was jogging and her um, maid was driving beside her yeah. and her maid says, yeah. oh, if they only knew how much you sacrificed, meaning like she go, she puts herself through hell yeah, she does. to keep up appearances and everything. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things we'll talk about in this movie too that I thought was really, because it does bring up a lot of issues uh, like a woman that in Hollywood woman and in Hollywood. especially also and an today. aging and mm. also an aging actress. Mm-hmm. It's not just, ca- it's not just the camp. You, you do see that some of those serious mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. That's true. And then we get her you know, finishing up the rest of her routine, getting out before light in. She gets to, she gets to work. She's on the set. And of course she has to go to the makeup trailer. And I just thought it was cool because a parallel that Faye Dunaway also had a, 4 a.m. wake up call and had to spend three hours getting her hair and makeup done to look like Joan Crawford every day. Well, I thought it was really cool because we saw that scene too where she got into her car and she has a tray, like a little dust tray in the back of the car. And when she's she's, autographs, she's looking through her script. She even has like the little ribbon saved on the page for where she left off at so that she can continue reading more. And then she's signing autographs, which we see throughout the movie. She's always signing autographs. And I told Chesh, I was like, I wonder if Faye Dunaway really did the signature and if she practiced it to look like Yeah, because that's interesting. It kind of does look like Joan Crawford's yeah. actual signature. So it makes me wonder if she like practiced and practiced to try to... Because <laughs> she's writing the signature all the time in the movie. Mm-hmm. And the way that she has, she has like that certain way, that certain mm-hmm. penmanship of how she signs it just right then and there. Yeah, the amount of money Joan Crawford would have made at conventions if she lived in this day and age. Oh my goodness. Or and Betty Davis. And Betty Davis, yeah. yeah. I mean, I would certainly pay for their autographs. Hell I'll yeah. say was, well, I just I didn't know Betty Davis was the same towards her fans as Joan. Because you see, uh, that is one thing she well, does care true. about is yeah. she yes. cares about her fans. That's true. That's true. Well, Betty was definitely uh, she was definitely a, a different personality yeah. too. Like she she was like that consummate actress uh, of sorts um, who 
she didn't really care what she looked like in terms of what she had to do for the role. She didn't care like if the role meant that she had to look ugly for the role, that's what she was going to do. <clears throat> so she didn't mind transformation. Whereas but Joan yeah, Crawford which... was, she <laughs> felt like she had a standard of a certain appearance. Yeah. And so like when Joan Crawford first started in movies, she didn't look like the Joan Crawford we know her mm -hmm. mostly as. Yeah. It wasn't until a little bit later that she had her uh, like a signature style, which was like the signature eyebrows and also the, the shoulder lip. pad. She yeah. became kind of like the first one to really make that a mm -hmm. uh, a trend. Yeah, I would I think that a lot of people this day and age think of the Joan Crawford look as Faye Dunaway as Joan Crawford. Mm -hmm. Like that's well, how... And like when I think of her, that's how I picture her really in yeah. my head is like that, that look, the mommy dearest look. Well, the funny thing is, is that Joan Crawford, I think said at one time that if anyone was to play her in a movie, it would be Faye Dunaway. Oh, really? Yeah. I think that's she funny. did. I think that was said somewhere. Wow. That's pretty interesting considering that uh, apparently Faye Dunaway was not easy to work with. That's exactly nope. what I was talking. We were just nobody, talking about that earlier. Nobody today. liked her. And actually... When even the movie Betty came Davis. out, even Betty Davis hated yeah. Faye Dunaway at the end more than Joan Crawford. Yep. Which I was like, wow, that's insane. And she said that for years. She said that for years on uh, late night talk shows. Like they, every time she was asked who was mm. probably the worst you've ever worked with, she always said Faye Dunaway. Yeah. And I know in that, uh, oh gosh, that series feud with True. Jessica Lange and, uh, oh man, what's her name? Uh, Quick from um, Thelma and Louise. Yeah, Susan, Susan Sarandon. Susan yes, Susan Sarandon played Betty Davis in there, and they have like that small little scene where uh, I mean, Tim Robbins' mother. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, where uh, Betty is. I think it was a TV movie with Faye Dunaway that they worked on together. Was the project, and um, you see like. Betty and the cast are just sitting there waiting and waiting, waiting, and she just gets fed up. At some point, she's like, basically, she's like, "Where the fuck is <laughs> Faye Dunaway at?" And all that stuff. She's like, "This is unprofessional," and blah blah blah. But I mean, she was always kind of difficult on the set, anyway. From like you were saying, like more story. Like, her so just the drama, the Chinatown about, right? shit. Am I the drama? Yes, Faye, you're the drama. She was. <laughs> she really was. Her and um. Oh my god, what's her name? The director from Chinatown. Like they clashed mm. a lot on that set. I think he even smacked her at one time on the set. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh god. In order, something like that. Jesus. Could, couldn't do that now. Or maybe I got that mixed no. up with uh or maybe I got that mixed up with uh The Shining because you know how he treated that actress. Oh, Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. I don't think he ever smacked her though. Don't smack her. Yeah, don't but he he was kind of an asshole though. Like when you see like some of the behind the scenes stuff on The Shining, yeah. like he was kind of an asshole the way he spoke to her sometimes. I was gonna say, I, I like, think he was more of a mental abuser, yeah, than, yeah, than a physical abuser, yeah. But now we get back; she's back home, and we get to see this clean freak nature that Joan has because you literally <laughs> see her scrubbing the floors and getting on her. Oh my god! And that big house she has. As tourists yeah. are coming outside of her house. Yep. To, on there's a see yep. the stars, see the stars tour. <laughs> I mean, you gotta admit, it's a nice house, but it's a beautiful house that she had there. That's the one thing about this movie that is that Brentwood deny is Brentwood. Yeah, that production design. Yeah, the production, and that's the thing I was talking about. I love about this movie is that even though it was filmed in 1981, something like that, 
Like it looks like one of those like 1950s, like Technicolor films and production films. It's got the bright, vivid colors. It's got the, you know, flood lighting going on. You even get like the, you know, the lighting shots around the eyes. Yeah. You like try to focus uh, on her sometimes. Yeah. You get that. I forget what that's called. Yeah. And you get like some of the butterfly lighting effect and stuff like that. Like it's just, it's really, really like, uh, and again, I mean, it kind of takes me back to the, you know, like the, the death becomes her the way that they did. Yeah, that they did. Old yep. style mm-hmm. um, Hollywood glamour lighting, which was yeah, like the purpose of it. Is, is that but anyway, feel, it know? fits the point of the film because, I mean, the movie, a lot of the movie takes place in that, you know, like 40s, 50s, right. 60s, 60s 70s. time, you know, where they that was kind of like the style that they they did the yeah. movies in. Looking it up, I'll very little of it actually takes place in the 60s and 70s though chris i'll tell very you little no no it is very little yeah but you do see definitely that period a little bit of the 60s there like when uh like the soap operas particular you know uh when she even goes and visits christina and you see right. the hair that's yeah. definitely 60s right there that yeah hairstyle. so yeah yes that part 70s that. barely 70s barely yeah very much barely yeah We'll talk about that as we get there, but yeah, you see her. This is you see her first little anger here because she's getting the maid. I guess yeah, that's what oh, she's yeah. yelling at Helga. <laughs> yes, Helga. Yes, which apparently this Helga character was like a compilation of like three different women that were nannies mm. slash secretaries for oh, wow. Joan throughout her throughout her life, and they just rolled her into this one character because it makes sense. I mean, you wouldn't want to see person after person because you'd be like, who is this? Who is yeah. this? Who is mm-hmm. this? You know. To understand yeah, why they did that. Yeah. But you see her asking her, did you clean the living room? Did you do it all the way? And of course she picks up the pot and there's dirt all over and she gets mad oh and angry. <laughs> That's what I was telling Chad. I was like, it was interesting how she seems kind of happy and energetic. Like, I'm cleaning the house. Cleaning the house. And then it's, she gets uh, the other uh, Carol Ann comes in and is like, oh, Helga just finished in the living room. So then she comes to that living room edge there and she stops for a second. It's like she has a spidey sense. Like, hmm, something <laughs> seems off about this There's room. dirt somewhere. I know. And she starts going around and she starts even... <laughs> and running like, her finger along. Run, <laughs> when she's running her finger along like a table or something, Chad's like, oh, she's one of those people. I was like, oh, God. And then she stops at the plant. And then she takes a double take for a second and goes back. And that's when she moves that. You have to move the plant if you're cleaning the floors. <laughs> it's like, if you're going to do it, do it Carol right. Carol Ann, bring me the soap. You have to stay on top of things. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, Don't. And then she tells that one lady, she's like, tells Helga, she's like, it's okay. I'm not mad at you. I'm mad I'm at the dirt. dirt. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good line. That's a good line. <laughs> I was like, you know what? We should just use that anytime we're cleaning. Yeah. Like, it's not I'm anybody not else. It's I'm just, just the dirt. dirt. <laughs> Oh, and then then her boyfriend arrives, Greg, and of course he takes first thing Greg. he does take off his shoes because he's not gonna walk through the house, which I think is more normal or commonplace now. I don't know how it was then. Like I think they use that to emphasize her cleanliness that mm-hmm. you're not even gonna have shoes walk through. I think a lot of people although, do that nowadays. So I don't know. Yeah, although I was gonna say, like, I mean, she and well, it's uncouth to all you know, wore shoes take your shoes off in front of people. Yeah. And... <laughs> but they wore shoes in the house anyway throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah. 
But she had just cleaned the floors. But so she part just cleaned it, the floor. Yeah, she's that doing that mom story, thing. Yeah. You know, like when you grow up and your mom mops the floor. She's like, don't you dare go yep. in that kitchen. Yep. I just mopped that floor. <laughs> yep. You're like, but I'm, I want a snack. Well, too bad. Yep. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. So it's like for a few hours. <laughs> yeah. No, for a few you, hours. You they just want to admire their fucking floor that they clean. Like, come yeah, on. Yeah, I guess. And then, oh, well, then I got to admit, I get, I, get a little, I get a little jealous at this next scene because then we get... <laughs> Joan, she's in the shower, but she's got a shower head behind oh, her yeah. and from this each was, side. And I'm like, oh, I love that. <laughs> a three-sided shower head. Yeah. Yeah, that would that would be awesome. But I like how it, it like it's so dramatic. Yeah, you know, very much so. The door just glides <laughs> open. Yeah. And she's just spread out with her arms and stuff <laughs> like that. And yeah, that was funny. And then, right. of course, like when he got in, because then he tries to close the door, but it's like he kind of slant the door behind him because it popped back open. Yeah, right? but then the door kind of popped <laughs> back open a little bit. And I'm like, oh, she's gonna get mad because there's water's pouring water all out. over. Water's pouring out. Yeah, <laughs> she ain't gonna like that. Well, it helped clean up the dirt maybe behind, I guess. <laughs> but she wouldn't like the mold. <laughs> oh, true. The mildew or whatever yep. the fuck it is. Uh, then we get to. Joan doing her publicity. She's got to be out there in front of the people. And this time she's with nuns and she sees a girl and you mm. see she's getting this idea that ooh, a baby will give me good publicity. That's this right. is she's not a orphanage. Yeah. Yes. She's doing an orphanage. You're right. And even even Greg tells her because she tells him she wants to have a baby. She's like, you're too vain to have a baby. <laughs> I was like, tell her, Greg, tell her. <laughs> really? He did. <laughs> And then she said, and I, I don't know if this part's true because I didn't look up everything, but she says she was pregnant seven times and lost the baby every time. And I, I was know, like, oh, that's crazy. Yeah, I know she had uh, several miscarriages in her life um, that she couldn't have her own children. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that must have been very heartbreaking to her, I'm sure. And then you got to think, too, at this point, she's like basically pushing 40 mm-hmm. um, that this was happening for her. So because uh, I think this, this was been late 30s this was, so... was this about maybe late 30s when this yeah, was yeah the, mo- the movie's first. starting in 1938 so I okay, think that's that where this is yeah 39 is when she adopted Christina okay that makes sense then Um, but yeah like she she was kind of pushing a li- and then of course she's single on top of that so back yeah. then you know it was like she's unmarried, well, she's unmarried. there's no <laughs> No father figure. Interestingly enough, though, I did learn because I know like back then, like especially if you were a man and you were like unmarried and single or whatever, they would. Oh, he must be gay kind of thing. But Joan Crawford was actually bisexual. Believe it or not. Well, she actually had several. Tris, well, she had supposedly. a couple of trysts with um, yeah. some actresses, which I thought yeah. was kind of interesting. So, I mean, not that it really has supposedly, anything to do with the movie, but there true, it is. Supposedly. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize that, Chad. So we learned something new. Yeah, the next thing I had was about her trying to get the adoption being denied for, like you said, living alone and having two divorces to her name at this point. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So she's denied an adoption because what could she do? She wouldn't be able to care for a child because of that, apparently. She's well, and then I can't remember, and... but did they also deny her because she was also a little older? Or did, uh, was it just because mostly she I was think, a well, unmarried? I know they cited I know the fact that she's a busy woman and that yeah. she's had... Two, two divorces. Right? Two divorces. Yeah, that was the big alone one. And just said an unsuitable yeah. parent is. Yeah, like they, she would basically never have the time to take care of a child, I which is crazy because you sit there concluded. and you think like, well, there are a ton of people who do not need to be parents, and yeah. you see what they do. Exactly, but of course, Greg gets her a baby. It works out. She's got the nursery set up, and of course, we find out this is Christina, and then we get. 
I don't know how old Christine's supposed to be at this birthday party. Because she looks... I figure she looked like maybe like seven, eight, you know, or something like that. Exactly. But she's really only like one or two. Because she adopted Christopher, which we see baby Christopher at this birthday party. Yeah. When Christina was two years old. Which is why mm-hmm. I say the ages and the actresses playing it is kind of weird for me. Mm-hmm. But they also think, like, it's this big, lavish birthday party with the car yeah. set up. But you also notice there's people in the back filming everything to make sure yep. that this yeah. gets seen. It's mm-hmm. the studio. Cameras everywhere. Studio promotion. Yep. You know, right. back, even back then, um, well, you had like, all those actors and all that they were under contract to different studios. So all those studios, what they would do is they would always send out film crew and cameras to always get pictures of these stars mm-hmm. and their you know their private lives and all that stuff in order to just further promote the stars well, or to like further all those photographs the project were also staged too. Yes. like you know they yeah. weren't like yeah. as candid as they were meant to to right. come across as. It's all to look staged. perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's funny you brought up the studios because we'll get into that more later. But I did find it interesting. This movie is put out by Paramount, which is like the only studio Joan <laughs> didn't produce a movie for. <laughs> so that's a good point. Yeah, hey, I found that looking through. I didn't realize it. Obviously, going, but yeah, because I think she was with MGM for the longest time. Mm-hmm. I think that's where she. Yeah, that's that where was, that's where the scene, at least in here, takes place. Where she, they're letting her go. Metro, yeah. which is MGM. So what, yeah, she was talking to Mr. Mayor. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. And then we cut back to the room, and, and Christina's getting to open her presents, right? And she's got a ton of presents because all these people were there. It's big, lavish. And then Joan asks her which one she likes the best, and she tells her it's this baby doll. And then she's like, "And not okay, only that, good. it's the gift that she got from her mom." Is it? I mom can't remember. Okay. Yeah, the baby doll came from Joan. Okay. But Joan tells her she can keep that one and the rest are going to the orphans who are out there are in need, which I get, but my goodness, the day you get all these presents, you're told you're allowed to keep one present. Oh, I'd be heartbroken. I, know, yeah. <laughs> I would feel bad. Like, like, give it a year. <laughs> Christina will move past most of those things in a year. Uh, yeah, because like, I get the message. I think it's, you know, that's considerate of Joan, but then on the other hand, I'm sitting there going like, that's her birthday. Mm-hmm. She just got all these gifts. And now you're asking her to only pick one out of everything she got, and especially from all those gifts, because there was tons uh, of them. Right, right. She only got to keep one. And like you said, it, it's considered of Joan, and I don't know how she actually felt about it, but obviously we're made to believe from this film that it's purely publicity to make her look good in front yeah, of people to give, because yeah. you know there's going to be people around while she's giving these. She ain't going in private and anonymously donating all these yeah. gifts to the organ. Yeah. You know that. Yeah. She's gonna make sure her name is attached. Yes, everything she did, exactly. Much. You know, any everything she, yeah, I don't, I don't know everything she did, even for um, anything that had to do with the kids or even her own kids, it had some sort of an attachment to mm-hmm. her her publicity, to some extent. You know. Then Greg stops by for her birthday, gives her a bracelet, which Joan does let her keep the bracelet, so at least there was that. Right. We'll make an exception. Reluctantly, she lets her keep it. Yeah, and then because she let her, she had to make the statement that adopted children are the luckiest because they were chosen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, that sounds sweet, too, in a way, but, you know. It's like, fuck get- everybody else, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Fuck my drag, right? Oh, the- <laughs> Yeah, there you go, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, then we get we get this pool scene with Christina swimming in the pool. 
and, and Jones is not good enough. I don't know. We don't know how long she's been doing it at this point, but Christina looks tired. She's saying she's tired. Yeah. And Jones saying, don't be a quitter. And well, then she wants to race her. And on top of that, we have Greg, who I think is also like her manager, right? From the studio. He's like a lawyer, manager. He's like her lawyer and manager yeah. at the same time. So she's like, she does mention that there's one project she wants to get, but she's not like at the top of the list. And she's kind of mad that he's not doing enough to push mm-hmm. her because we do find out there's some really good news that happens eventually after her jog so i want to make sure we throw that in there <laughs> but there was a point why he was there and that moment before she does that swim with christina and stuff like that yeah yeah that's true good point i did not write that down so i forgot that it's a good point first <laughs> you're good that's just me being but like detail, she's competing against a child oh my god this was <laughs> yeah this was rough this yeah. was rough Cause she's like, yeah, I'll give you a head start, and she, she gives her a head start, and then still, of course, wins. And not only does she win, but then she's like, I'm bigger, I'm faster, and I'll always beat you. And I'm like, oh my goodness, jeez, yeah. let the yeah. kid win, Mike. Well, that's the thing. She pretty much set from the beginning somehow that it's a dog, this dog world. That, well, not there. just that, but yeah. there's it's a now a competition between her, her and her own daughter. Yeah. You know, that set the stage for everything to eventually come, you know, and for a lot of those challenges. And I think part of the thing about Joan is that she was just, I, you know, here's like a nubile young little girl that's going to eventually become a young woman and could potentially knock her from her her post in any way or form mm-hmm. in life. And I think she just doesn't like it. She wants to make sure that she's Queen Bee, if you will. And then, of course, Christina gets done and says, fine, if you're going to be like this, I'm not going to play with you anymore. Joan gets mad, oh, yeah. sends her to her room. Christina refuses, so she spanks her and puts her in the pool closet. And I was like, oh, that's so much worse. And here's the thing. This is like, this is probably the first instance where we get where um, we start to see like frequent temper tantrums from Joan. And even this is like one of those moments where it seems like just a little bit over the top. Mm. you know because i think some part of the thing about this movie is that there's so many of these temper tantrums that kind of come frequently in a row that it makes it come off campy i think that's part of the Mm. campy aspect of it is because of the follow-up like almost everything she has with christina has to have a temper tantrum Mm. and then next up is the this jogging scene is the as helga's driving beside is the helga that's driving no this one's carol 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 yeah carol Ann's the main made that we see throughout the movie. Okay. Helga <laughs> was like the the overweight older woman. Okay, okay, I gotcha. So Chad said the important line he wanted to say for when she was driving and then <laughs> then we cut back like you said right after the jogging scene and this is where Greg's calling her to tell her she got the role. Jones yes. decided and wants to tell Christine Okay, talk about the role, Chris. I know you want to talk. Oh no, like <clears throat> I I can't remember which this one was for though in her career. I definitely remember the Mildred Pierce thing that happens eventually. Yeah, but that but comes after her exactly. firing from MGM. But I just know it was a big thing for her. This moment was because it was that's his big part in the in the movie. He was the one that helped her with getting the part she wants. <clears throat> and she at this point she was so much of a star that she didn't even have to do auditions or screen tests. It was just basically. Well, I think her. the thing is too because I mean he did mention in there at one point that. I mean, the like, because I know with Joan Crawford, like most of her movies before Mildred Pierce were 
Well, she played a she lot played of like similar rags, roles. Rags to mm-hmm. riches kind of characters, and these were often very young and youthful characters. Yep. And of course, here she was pushing middle age, and some of those movies started and not doing well. They started in the box not doing office. too well, yeah. you know, and so you know her attractiveness, you know, for those kind of stories just sort of waned. Yeah. Mildred Purse was such a big, it was a big turnaround mm-hmm. by that time for her. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So we see her where she's excited. She goes upstairs. She's like, I got to tell Christina. Yeah. That's the, then, that's the good thing is that she's excited to share the news with her daughter. Yeah. But it, it goes, it turns bad and it turns bad quick. Unfortunately. Oh my God. <laughs> this was crazy because I'm sitting there like she goes into her room she sees Christina in front of the mirror playing dress up vanity. and also playing yeah. acting, but she's act, you know, play acting as like her mom in a way, mm-hmm. like how her mom would respond. I guess you could say publicly and stuff. Yeah. But some reason Joan takes it as offense and a takes it as insult or some sort of yeah. insulting thing. And that's the thing that's weird about these temper tantrums because they kind of come out of nowhere. And you kind of sit there and think like, but what did Christina really do to deserve that kind of treatment? You know, to be like, how was her acting like you and playing like you? How was this insulting? Like, what was she saying? Is that like she's sitting there being like, I'm mommy dearest. I'm a big old bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, well, you know, I would have loved to see little Christina do that. <laughs> I'm a big old bitch, but you know, like ah, uh, she goes crazy, and then you know we see where she's like, "What'd you do to this hair? What'd you do to your hair?" You to your and hair? she like start, yeah, she's like trying to straighten it with that comb, which ooh, that looked painful. Which that looked painful because you know she's pulling that hair, and then she starts taking the scissors and cutting it, just cuts yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> and then she even's like, think, and she's like, "I'm not going to have a daughter that looks like a tramp." Yeah, and I'm like. <laughs> how are you making this fucking leap bitch yeah like, it was bad yeah it was bad it was a big jump and it was quick uh, yeah but the next season joan and greg going to dinner and of course there's a people outside crowded around and they don't they don't know who greg is you know he's he's a lawyer manager oh, i guess God. but and how rude was it of him to just keep on going not even try to be there by her side to walk her through the crowd which she does point at it by the way she points like, it out. Ju- Chris is like, she was justified in her anger on this. Well, I agree with that. Like, I mean, you know, he's kind of her date for that evening. He should have been there to make sure she's okay in the crowd. I agree, but I think he's also been around enough that he knows that she wants this. She craves this attention. She can play like she doesn't, but she oh, wants yeah, this attention to sign for the fans. No, I absolutely. I think she would have been if he tried to pull her through. I think she would have got angry at him and made him stop anyway. Yeah, she can play that. That's true too. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, I guess your point is basically he's damned if he does, damned if he does. Yeah, Yeah. because I think he would have got yelled at if he tried. I mean, maybe he could have at least stuck around for a couple minutes and then just like whispered, I'm going to go on in or something. I guess if it was like me, I would have just been like, hey, she's going to do her thing, but I'm going to be right here beside her. You know what I mean? Just let her do her thing and that's it. I wouldn't try pulling her. I'd be like, she's standing my spotlight. (laughs) And she may do that too. She may even be mad at that. Like, how do you stand beside me? Yeah, like I said, I think it it was definitely a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation with him. (laughs) Yeah. 
Well, I mean, I guess you do, you do and learn. He did. When, when it comes to Joe and you rock. I have no opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, that or then when you're around Joe, you never know. You're walking on eggshells. Mm. That's true. So by the time she does get in, like, it's, I don't know how much time has passed, but it does seem like some time has A passed. A few minutes, for sure. Yeah. Somehow. <laughs> yeah. He's he's already at that table with the big wigs with Mr. Mayor, and, right? You know, and a couple other guys who are, I guess are financing a picture that she's going to be in. Do we ever see like Mr. Metro and Mr. Goldwyn at all in this movie? No, no, just no, Mr. Mayor, just Mr. Mayor. Yeah. I think yeah, just I think they just need that one. They try try to. She probably had these meetings with all three, but oh, it's I'm an sure. easier way to keep your characters down so you know who it is you're dealing with mm. every time. Well, well, otherwise, she, you're having to reintroduce them every time. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's funny. At first, when she was taught Mr. Mayor, I was like, why is she mad at the city of Los Angeles mayor? Like, <laughs> what did he ever I did do? Too. I did, too. I thought it was the mayor. Like, the mayor of the city, not the mayor of MGM. I did, yeah, I thought the same thing, Chad. A key to the city or something? And like, the next thing you know, she's <laughs> she's mad at Mayor McCheese across the street. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But of course, afterwards we get the scene with her and Greg, and and she's like, "Yeah, mad. I'm damn mad." Oh, I love the way she says it in that. And of course, she's oh, but he's- real quick too, uh, when she does show up at that table, we see okay. where um, she meets Miss. You know, she's talking to Mr. Mayor. She's like, "Oh, by the way, my table's ready. I'm gonna go. Mm-hmm. You know, we're gonna have dinner." But then he basically gives her the eye, and he's like, "No, you're not. You're going to stay here." Which is another thing of showing again how women were kind of shown in Hollywood as well. Mm-hmm. Like uh, apparently she was there to be the showpiece mm-hmm. and to be that star piece as well for these two guys, these two big wigs that he had in order to impress them. So and she was because that's something that she gets mad about with him as yeah. well that he didn't do anything to I don't know keep them separate. So we because we see that part where she kind of right. looks at him like. I'm blaming you. Yeah. I'm stuck with this because of you. Yeah. And you're so. right. She, that is, that's, I mean, that that's exactly what she's saying. She's damn mad about is the fact that they went there to have a date together and he and yep. they ended up sitting there and basically doing a business meeting. meeting. Yep. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And of course, this is where Greg threatens to leave. And she says, if you leave, you're not coming back. And he walks out and mm-hmm. we don't, we don't, we don't see, see him again. Greg anymore. <laughs> and, I mean, in fact, not only do we not see him, the next morning she's on her bed cutting his face out of yes. all the pictures that he's in. And like Christine even goes oh, down man. and looks at one of them and she's like, if mommy doesn't like you, she can make you disappear. And I'm like, oh, ooh, yeah, that's scary like to think about. And she has Christopher there with her. <laughs> I pay $1,000 to roll him off in a ditch somewhere. Yeah, and she picks up that one picture of him cut out mm-hmm. you know, with his head cut out from that picture. Yeah, that was, that's pretty sad. Right. Yeah. You know? And I thought that was interesting because that's the one we see her cut and then it's already down in the frame. But I'm like, I, I guess it's just to show that Christina saw it as well. So, yeah, it's a weird way of shooting it. But then we see like she has this group of women packing up all those. Like you said, she's always signing autographs. Well, now you see a woman packing up these headshots, I guess, sending them out to all her fans. Mm-hmm. I got to admit, until I saw this, I didn't really know that was a thing back then. It was. And actually, what's really cool is many years ago, we had a an uncle of ours, a great uncle, uh, my mom's uncle, he, when he passed away and we were going through some of his things, he actually had, um, like a, a photo, a album. photo album mm-hmm. of autographs from celebrities 
back then that he collected and yeah, got he would the write mail. to them and and they would send them back like an autographed picture yeah oh wow so, very yeah. cool That's, and apparently like even some star there's some stars that still do that today mm-hmm. as well um i think even betty white did it betty for, white did probably it. up to the day she yeah. died so i know there was a way of getting trying to do but, that even you know, though now of course you know everybody makes extra money going to all these conventions yeah. and stuff because they know they can charge dollars for uh, an autograph and people yeah. are willing to pay for it or online some or stars online, yeah. have their own page like i actually got a Julie Newmore autograph from her mm. website yeah. many years ago and sent it through the mail. I love that autograph. That I, have. I, d- <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Same. It's, I need to try to get another one, though, because I want to get one with her as Catwoman. Catwoman. For sure. Oh, there you go. Now we get a scene, Tina and Chris playing outside in the yard, and Joan is not happy because oh. they are being yeah. loud. <laughs> and then she's like, Christina, Christina, Christopher, damn damn it. it. (laughs) That's it. Carolyn, for Christ's sakes, get these kids to shut up and get them out of the garden. (laughs) You know how this day is important for me. (laughs) She was resting because she was having a screen test, right? No, no, no. This was... She just has a meeting with Mr. Mayor again. That's right. And she was having to look her best. So she was getting her beauty rest. Right. But before we see that, you talked about how she was in Joan's room doing the stuff and she took it as mocking her, basically. Yeah. Well, now Joan walks in on Christina playing with her dolls. And this time she's repeating what mommy said. You girl, you dog, you are all bad because you just bad for waking up mommy. And Joan sees this not happy. Tina leaves. She comes back. Next thing you know, all those dolls are gone. Yeah. Yeah, Here's the thing. Okay. This is one of the scenes that was really effective in terms of like showing the emotional, I think kind of that emotional abuse that she gives to Christina. Cause I like, this is the one scene where you don't see Joan lose her temper. No, yeah. She doesn't go crazy. She just does like this kind of like guilty, very mental, cold, very yeah. cold moment thing instead. Like where she's in there, uh, Christina comes to her and she's like, all my dolls are gone. Where are they? And her, uh, Joan's like, well, maybe the, you know, them being selfish and spoiled and all that stuff. Uh, it was a very lady Tremaine type. It uh, was like Cinderella <laughs> stepmother yeah. thing. Yeah. She's like, maybe they won't, uh, disturb you or something like that. Or like an Angelica Houston and ever after. Yeah. Cause even the machine. eye stare that she had was <laughs> yeah. just very cool. And she said, I'm rubbing so. that lotion on her fucking elbow. Yes. <laughs> so I was like that. I really appreciate because it was something different than what we were seeing frequently yeah. in the movie with her losing her temper at Christina. And I was like, this is other ways to show mm. the other forms of abuse that Christina went through. Yeah. And right. part of that is the mental and emotional aspect of it. Just saying, I know that was looking a little too much into it, perhaps. No, no, a, I think a, that was great insight. Classic. <laughs> Josh I is like, that... mm, very sad. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, now Joan is going to meet with Mr. Mayor, and he's basically asking her to like leave the studio. Because the last well, few films, like you guys terminating are talking, her. <laughs> he basically is, but he's trying to be nice about it, because he does <laughs> ask her to leave. Yes, it's... He's he's being think about that. He's being nice about it. Right. It's, it's yeah. It's being, one of those situations, like even in sports, where a coach goes in, they come out and they 
mutually agree to part ways when really mm. someone's being fired, but they don't want to make it sound as yeah. bad in public. Because then what he he tells her too is like, she's like, oh well, I'll be back to pick up my things from my trailer, and he's like, oh, it's already been packed up and put in your car. Yeah. And she's like, everybody knows. And he's like, oh, they only know that creative differences mm. got in the way. So he made up an excuse for everyone else, but even though between them it was well we're and i think she go. probably knew too that everybody knew that that was a bullshit answer oh yeah especially when she turned I mean, around she's like will you walk exactly me to my right. car yeah and he just had this face like and he didn't even answer mm-hmm. she's like hollywood royalty because he called her hollywood royalty right there in the same conversation but yet yeah. he wouldn't walk with but her. i think part of it too is you know maybe he was also just a little heartbroken about having to do that as well because uh, maybe but you know some of those he kinda, I don't know, like, to me kind of looked like he was on the verge of crying when she left the office maybe for a I second there i don't know i, I, I don't know I, really, I feel like he had a, he had a long relationship with her and mm-hmm. I, I don't i don't think he wanted oh, to do it no but question. her movies were losing money they they said yeah he so. said like her last three pictures were really bad at the tank box, and they the weren't willing yeah. to do another one with her Right. So, but that that goes to show you again as well when she's like, "Well, it's not me. It's just bad scripts, bad directors, bad projects." And and I tell you, and that's the thing too about Hollywood, is that when a movie does well, everybody wants to take the tra- credit for it. But when a movie tanks, they want to blame it on a director or an actor. You don't want yeah. ever see a fucking executive at a movie studio take responsibility for a bad fucking movie. That's true. You will never see that. And then in her their case, they blamed her. Yep. And again, she was the big star. She was the not big just the star, it. but she's a woman. Yep. And she's an aging aging actress. And she's and, an, yeah, at, exactly, at this yeah. point. So of course they're gonna put her out, basically. And Chris, this leads to I guess what is one of your favorite scenes, but the Christina bring me. Oh uh, yeah, it's <laughs> it's, it's one of the most <laughs> famous scenes. Yeah, and then we and Chad. It was kind of funny because Chad's like, "What kind of dress is she wearing?" But then she's wearing like a like I don't know like a it's like an award like, dress, award dress yeah. or something. It was like but rhinestones all over. Again, everything. you got to think <laughs> she's like chopping the rose. But you got to think she's Hollywood royalty, so she's dressed in her royalty, <laughs> her royalty <laughs> outfit. <laughs> But yeah, she was going crazy. That, and then, of course, you got Carol Ann coming up there, waking up Christina and Christopher, and like, your mother wants you. I'm sorry, but if I was that maid, I would sit there and go, Joe, I am not waking up those kids to come down here. I will help you clean up these roses or whatever you need, but we <laughs> exactly. are not bringing the kids into this. Carol Ann was just pretty weak with the, like... Yeah, but she... Yeah, well, Carol, I think she was scared. I think like, she was intimidated. Yeah, well, I'm sure yep. she was, but you know... At some point, even as an adult, I had to sit there and go. And you have to put up with. You have to draw a line somewhere, right? So, yeah, <laughs> and just find another way to be like, "Oh, ma'am, how about I get your drink? How exactly. about you Let's know, go like inside the things that drink. would yeah. like maybe bring her down a little bit instead of going after the." Because I makes mean, me wonder uh, if Carol Ann's character was like an al, al what do you call it, an amalgamation of several people. Probably, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, yeah, you got to think this movie is, is such a concentration. Was. It's meant to be a concentration on Christina and, and her, mother. her mother. Yeah, that's right. really the central focus of this movie. Is but so I got to say, too many characters in there, right. it's going to get convoluted. But the thing that got with me with this scene was, like you said, she goes out and gets up the children, and Christopher is literally strapped into his yes. bed, and that happened in real life. And I'm going, Allegedly. okay, 
Allegedly. So, okay. so well, according to Christina's memories, and according her to her memoir, yeah. did. <laughs> and I think even Christopher said so too. But because I mean, did. he was, he was, he. He had he backed up everything she said. From yeah, he dad. backed up the abuse that Christina talked about yeah. in the book. I know he yeah. backs it up, even though the other daughter, the twins, I think, don't. I feel like I remember them saying something. He had like sleepwalking issues or something. something that was like the reason that. why she yeah. strapped him down at night. So, Which is okay. crazy because like it doesn't even work because he got himself up out of the damn bed. Yeah, because he, anyway. he was able to figure out how to, <laughs> to unstrap himself. Yeah, right. So, but I also figured. I was like, this kid's going to be in trouble either way because he's little. He's probably going to have an accident and she's going to be angry about that. Mm, <laughs> That's true, too. With the, way, with the way she is. Oh he's not going to be able to get out of bed. At least at the early age, he wouldn't have been able to. Because here she is cutting up all these roses that's got thorns because you see the scratches on her face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I love when she's like, Tina, bring me the axe. <laughs> Tina! Bring me the axe! Which, you know, is just dramatic. I... I, and the thing is, like, I kind of see a little bit of the director's vision where it's, it's, I think that really is kind of the intent of being like, mm-hmm. because everything she did was dramatic. Mm-hmm. And so we're just going to boost that up to 10, basically. Yeah, right. <laughs> and when really it didn't need to be necessarily a 10 all the time, especially at some moments, because he could have brought in Faye Dunaway's performance just bringing in a little bit more but it sounds like the way she was to work with maybe she didn't want to bring it in we don't that's that's probably true too but i mean seemed like nobody liked working with her (laughs) yeah maybe but then again it's like what kind of conversations did they have i wish we kind of knew a little bit more of faye dunaway's experience honestly but she never talks about the movie she yeah she won't even talk about it at all which is unfortunate because i'm like these days has so much more appreciation now yep. than what it did back then. And then we get we get a quick scene of Joan rehearsing her lines, and and I really just want oh, to point yeah. this out because this boy really smacks her. <laughs> yeah, this is the point where she's going for Mildred Pierce. This yeah. is the the project she's, she's practicing going for. for her screen test. I think. Yeah. So this is the big moment. This is what's going to bring back Joan's career. From... Does she really smack the maid? I like. Because I couldn't tell if it was like a real smack did, or if it was like a I think she, actor. I think she smack. just did like an actor, like a snap or something like that instead. Maybe I took it as she smacked her. At least that's in the same that's, Yeah, because yeah. I mean, like there's that weird pause from it. I'm like, holy shit, did she just hit her? Like, <laughs> well, even the maid kind of like. Held yeah, her, exactly. Her the maid was like, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I definitely took that as slapping her. But now it's time for lunch, and what's for lunch? Not only steak, but rare steak. Which you know what? I'd eat the shit out of that. I would too. As as a child, Honestly, I would. as a child, yeah, I probably would have. I probably as an adult, it. yes, but as a child, I don't think I would have wanted rare. Well, stuff. and I mean, I can certainly understand that. I'm just saying that from my perspective, I'm like, mm, I think as a kid, I probably would have tried it steak. once at least, because everyone else was like, for example, Christopher was eating it. So if I see my little sibling eating it, then I'm gonna, I'm gonna be like, okay, I'm gonna I'm try sure it. At least and try the first too. bite. Try the first bite and see how it goes. Another thing that, that's probably me. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think I liked rare as a kid, but this also Christina once again wanting to stand up to her mother, knowing that she's yes. I did think it's funny. She does say that the doctor says it's good to eat it that way, and nowadays that's reversed. It's kids should eat well done steaks they shouldn't have them rare like that right i was wondering well, about also that. back then too doctors were prescribing people to smoke 
Yeah, because so, she said like there you go. Because <laughs> what was it? She was saying like the vitamins, the vitamins are, yeah. are cooked out of the steak. If it's cooked, uh, it was cooked too well, it too well, or something like that. That's what she told Christina. I don't know if that's true or not. But I'm I was like, "Is that true or what?" Because she's like, "Well, I take my," and I love too because Christina's thing is like, "Well, I already take my vitamins in the morning." Exactly. Yeah, and, and she's, then she's like, "Everything that comes out of her mouth is a goddamn Hollywood agent." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she's not going to let Christina move until she eats, and she comes back nope. down. She has not touched her plate, so what she do? She tells her to go to bed, but she puts that plate in the fridge, and then tells her that she's going to have dinner in her room alone that night with this same meal. I'm like, okay, if this steak has been out all day, that steak is bad. Oh, right. And then she set it out the next morning. And then, the, exactly, then the next morning for breakfast, and I'm like, the steak is bad. If she eats it, she's going to be sick at this point. <laughs> Luckily, well, she doesn't. I kid a lesson. <laughs> Well, uh, I, I get it, but there is... I, I know, exactly. Like, I, that was a joke. <laughs> yeah, I get it as well, but I'm like, yeah, come on, just give the kids something else. Just like, well, fine, you get peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, I'm like, at a, cer- <laughs> at a certain point, at a certain point, and finally at breakfast, she is allowed to throw it out, so there's at least that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, you, I think you can kind of tell it was a, a power. Bit. It was a power of willpower, a battle, battle of power. willpower. There you go. Willpower. Yeah, is what and that at, was. Yeah. And at this point, notice that it was Christina who won this one, right? Yeah. In a way, it was, and I think that, I think that kind of ticked off Joan. Or mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to say disappointed because I don't, Joan, I don't think would feel disappointed, no. but I think she would feel like. I'm challenged. Uh, someone has really yeah. challenged me beta here in this moment. Yeah, challenging me. A beta female, exactly. Yeah. Beta female. And I would, I would almost wonder: Would Joan almost have like a small sense of pride, like way to stand your ground, girl? But I don't know if she would or not. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Hell because no. you know that that moment where she went upstairs to tuck in the, you know, to pull the blankets up. Notice that she picked up the plate, and she did take a moment to rub yeah. Christina's hand and, and stuff, like to show some. Uh, love i guess you say mm. yeah some love for a better lack of term and so you can cut and then she gets down the steps and you, it's like she kind of took a moment to be like you know i'm proud of her for standing up for herself i took it that way too and i thought and then when it came back for breakfast i was like well shit i guess not <laughs> i know she she wanted to try it one more time i guess she wanted to try breaking that will and christina was just like no and i'm like well, you know what? I guess they really are mother and daughter because mm-hmm. they. She may have been adopted, but apparently this adoption didn't fall far from the tree, yeah. from the apple tree, or you know how the old saying goes. The apple tree, you know. <laughs> All right now we know we're in early 1946 because this is where they're listening to the Oscars on the radio. Oh, and this was a tough category that year for oh this actress. Yeah. Oh, it was. So this was not a easy win for her, right? Nope. Ooh, well, I mean, all not. the movies they listed, I was like, holy crap. Yeah, because you had... It's Ingrid... impossible. It's like Sophie's yeah. Choice. Yep. <laughs> Ingrid Bergman was nominated, and uh, Gene Tierney for Leave Her to Heaven was yeah, nominated. Yeah, I did He's... notice that. I was like, oh, I remember Chad picking that movie one time. Oh, man, Leave Her to Heaven's great. <laughs> it is. It's a f- awesome movie. One well, of yes, the best jo- ever. Joan wins Best Actress for Mildred Pierce, so I'm sure you guys have seen it. I have not seen Mildred Pierce. So. It's a great mm-hmm. movie. If you ever do get the chance to see it, Josh... Absolutely, check it out. It, it's amazing. Not the Kate Winslet remake, though. Oh, that one's not. No, bad, it's not bad. The Kate Winslet is a mini series. Joan Crawford was better. This one you'll like because it's got that film noir tone to it, and y- you get invested. You really do. It's okay. great. 
And then we see something that I don't think celebrities would appreciate this. And that's where all these photographers are camping out on her lawn. And she gives them, oh gives them a speech. Yeah, but Josh, this is Joan Crawford. That's what I'm saying. This is celebrity, celebrities it. were different back then, I guess. Because celebrities would not put up with this this day and age. They well, not. if you notice, in real life, there's a picture of her in the bed with the Oscar. Um, I think for the next day or something like that. Because she, she claimed that she was sick. And that's why she didn't show up to the ceremony. Because I don't think she thought she was going to really win necessarily. But she was, but I think Christina in the autobiography thinks that she set it up for sympathy, you know, mm-hmm. kind of for the sympathy vote and stuff like that. She portrayed herself as being sick or really sick or something like that in real life is what she portrayed herself as. Borderline personality disorder. Is what that oh, really? You, you're saying it was just because she didn't think she was going to win, so she didn't want to go. That, and I think part of it was like, the campaigning because you know like when you're you're nominated you're pretty much campaigning yeah, for all the popularity award season. yeah and so for her i think she used the excuse of or she at least christina claims that she used the excuse of being sick as i think a way of getting the sympathy vote well she didn't seem too sick when she came out on her front lawn to be like oh thank you there's no right other and i don't i don't know if that necess- i don't know if that happened in real life but i do know like you Somehow, I mean, obviously you got reporters that are able to see her in her bed with mm-hmm. the Oscar. There is a picture of that uh, somewhere. I, I think you can find it online. Oh, yeah, I'm sure if I did a quick Google search, I could pull it up. But now, Chris, here we go. Coming to the most famous scene in this movie. That, oh. of course, is Christina sleeping. Joan goes in. She starts looking through her closet, make things, everything neat. Oh, yeah, the and classic scene. And what does she find? She finds a wire hanger in Christina's closet. And she absolutely loses it. She's throwing all the clothes on the floor. You get the classic, no wire hangers ever. No wire hangers! What's wire hangers doing in this closet when I told you no wire hangers ever? So Chris, okay, I want to I want to put this question to you. Sure. This is a little girl. Is she out there buying her own hangers? Like, yeah, why exactly. are you blaming her for this hanger? Oh, this is not. Tell me fault. about it. Tell me. I'm like, is she washing her own clothes and hanging her clothes? <laughs> I doubt. I doubt Christina was doing that at that it was time. One of the maids that did it. Obviously, mm-hmm. one of the maids had to have done it. And so, oh but my god, like the way, but her. Like she tears the room apart, or she tears the closet. The closet. But then, like, yeah. she starts concentrating on the dirt in the bathroom because it's not clean enough. And I'm like, how did like she gets triggered by these wire hangers? But then it gets exacerbated by her supposed like I just I don't understand the well, the logic a, leap that she makes. In have order you noticed to like progress? Yeah, this. I was gonna say. Have you noticed that there were some moments when the moments she would lose her temper? and go crazy and she would do whatever it is to christina and then suddenly she has this moment where she stops what she's doing and you hear her kind of do like a primal scream Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like as if she suddenly realizes holy shit i went red Mm -hmm. it's like holy shit what did i do or something have you noticed that she has like those moments where she just kind of pauses and she looks at the scene while she's sobbing 
almost kind of like when she's doing it, she blacks out and then she comes back. Yeah, exactly. So, and that, this scene kind of looks just like that as well. Um, So I, I, I mean, obviously she was, she was a drunk. She drank a lot obviously. And, and uh, I think this just happened to be a night where she probably was drinking a lot. And then she just thought, I'll go check on the kids. And then she's like, oh, look how pretty the clothes look. (laughs) Because I guess she's like, oh, something shiny over there. (laughs) Right. And oh, man, it just that was this was actually I remember. Oh, man, we were kids when we first saw this movie, me and Chad. It was one of those things. Somehow our mom recommended it. (laughs) Yeah. She was just like, you should check this out. So I remember the first time seeing this scene here and it actually kind of freaked me out because mm-hmm. she looks scary in her face that right. her clown, that clown makeup yeah, <laughs> cream. and then like particularly that part where she leans over and she's got that dress you know and christina's on the floor and she's like yes mommy what yeah right yeah you know, it's kind of like a, a joker moment or something mm-hmm. you know you expect him to go like why so serious yeah and but that it was just freaky because the way her eyes mm-hmm. were and then her grimace and all oh yeah it freaked me out as a kid i can see that like it is kind of amazing this movie's rated pg so obviously this was before pg-13 yeah and i was reading that this movie was originally rated r and they appealed and got a pg without making any cuts to it and that's back then they before that they didn't have like a median range Mm. rating they didn't even really think about that in terms of like well well, what happens if you have something that's a little extreme but then not that extreme not extreme enough yeah right because yeah this being a pg movie it's it's kind of terrifying for kids yeah there are scenes in this and i mean even in this scene like you watch it as an adult and it's easy to tell she's not doing much but when she's hitting her with the wire hanger like as a kid seeing that like oh my goodness Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. and she's like hitting hard you know you hear that thump going on and it even thump, but luckily when it cuts to Christina, you can tell it's not hitting hard, at least doesn't. Well, work. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then like the, in the bathroom, she even hits her with the uh, oh yeah, like the the can the canister, you know, the canister, the soap. the soap or the powder, the Ajax. I, th- I think yeah. it's Ajax because I know because of this scene. Basically, after this movie came out, they started people would br- basically do it like they did Rocky Horror, and they would bring Ajax and wire hangers to the screenings <laughs> to support <laughs> the movie. Yeah. Like it, it, it hit cult status while it was still on a theatrical run, and apparently the producers at Paramount or whatever were angry about it. But I'm like, got you know, some notoriety there. Exactly, exactly. Because you know what, they probably, and I'm sure that was the goal, is that they were wanting it to be like big Oscar bait, basically big Oscar. Well, I, I read Faye Dunaway thought for sure she would not only be nominated, she thought she was going to win an Oscar for this role. So when it came yeah. out the way it did. That's kind of why she refuses to talk about it now, because she thought it was going to be something completely different. Unfortunately, she can't embrace the campiness, I guess, that she did bring to it. And you'd be yeah. able to turn yourself yeah. around and embrace it. You'd realize you have so many fans, but I guess she yeah. just can't bring herself to do it with this role. you got to have a little bit of humor in yourself mm-hmm. and be like, okay, it was a little camp, but you know what? At least people, I don't know. Too bad she never really embraced it, though, because I think it would have done a lot of wonders for her in a way because she sort of i don't know she sort of closed herself off for i think the possibilities of her future projects 
And then, like I said, she, she's yelling at her. She, and then, of course, she, she makes this huge mess, throwing all this powder on the floor, all these clothes on the floor. And she tells Christina she has to clean it up. And she's like, how? And she's like, figure it out. And Christina's like, Jesus Christ. And then, that is where you talk about Christopher getting out of the bed because he comes oh, over and asks for help. Yeah. And she said, no, go strap yourself in. She'll kill me if she finds out you helped. And I'm like, mm-hmm. like she believes it. She believes that mm-hmm. Joel will kill her if she finds out that she had help. She probably with would. She probably would. And she, and she very well might. But we can definitely tell Christina feel, feels that way. Well, and then after that, of course, I Christmas think this Eve. Is we jump, right? Oh, yeah, the Christmas Eve one. This is yeah. the Christmas Eve thing where they're having radio. radio. Yeah, for the radio. And they ask if they get a lot of presents. And she's like. We do, but we like to share them with the less. I mean, she puts on this perfect image. This, yep. this is why Joan adopted children. She wanted to be able to do these family things, make her look good in the public, even though inside the home and the public <laughs> there with those people. The pu- they didn't see the wire hangers there from a few nights ago. Or right. And so they, then they do that reading for Twas the Night Before Christmas. Yeah, I think that what they read the last two lines or whatever Not it is. Yep. And then and everything's then- happy go lucky. <laughs> yep. and, then, and then before we do the time jump Joan has a man over Christina interrupts her with this man that's what makes her mad next thing you know she's taking her to boarding school well this was the funny part too because I do like that part where she tried to call him uncle and he's like I'm not your uncle <laughs> but then they go upstairs and then she's like oh Christina you know you can call him uncle at this point <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, right after he told her not to call him uncle. So, yeah. Well, you know, Joan makes rules in that house. So, And then the funny thing is, she's still a kid and she's serving the liquor. Uh, you know, that's yeah. that's pretty crazy. And then, I, for some reason, how I kind of read this a little bit was that Joan I don't did not like maybe that Christina, I don't know, was... I don't know if Christina... I don't think Christina was necessarily flirting or anything in this particular scene, but... She seemed very self-assured, I guess, with what she was doing and and all. And I don't. I just. I try to figure out. Well, what did? I mean, was she really just pissed off because Christina interrupted her? Is that really just maybe it, or did I? I don't know. Did I read into this a little differently? I, I don't know. I didn't. Like, is I didn't. Part of the. Is it still part of the competition between them, maybe, or or what? What do you guys think? Honestly, I thought she just made her angry, but you could be mm-hmm. right. I could definitely see Joan taking it that way. So she's like, "Can't be another young female up in this house." <laughs> and you might be right because that's what leads her to taking her to boarding school. That she's getting rid of the other female in the house at this point. She's like, "No and more the, you." <laughs> and notice the name of that boarding school is called Chadwick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, it has an impeccable <laughs> reputation. So. Oh, oh, and then this is where we, like you said, we get another time jump, and now Christina's teenager. Sc- yes, yeah, a teenager. I wasn't sure how old she was supposed to be because this woman's obviously not a teenager planner, but I wasn't sure how old she was supposed to be. Yet. I, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of took maybe. I thought she was maybe senior. like fifteen because, like, because oh, here's the thing: senior. she. Because, well, the thing is, she wasn't done with the school yet before she went to that nunnery. Mm, right. Because, she, you know. And then secondly, there's that point where she comes to visit her mom from the boarding school. And they're at the the restaurant. Yeah. And the way Christina was dressed seemed like very still like 
young girl in yeah. a way. I think you're right. I, th- I think I don't think she's actually quite 15. And the way yet. she was drinking, and the way she was drinking the soda was very kind of still like that's true. A yeah. kid in a, a way. Kid. Yeah, yeah. I think she is supposed to be playing a little bit younger than that because we're gonna get to when she turns 15 here in a second. Okay. But yeah. Oh, old to play <laughs> that's what i was talking about like the, the actually they got to play these roles when i started looking up how old it was when joan did this and how old these kids were, i was like no oh, these actresses they're 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 kind of they're, they're taking me out of it they're not the right age at all it's like, well i mean close. you gotta think i mean sometimes we got these movies that have teenagers in them as characters and it'll be like a 30 year old playing a 15 year old yeah 90210 <laughs> <laughs> that too yeah luke that perry. luke perry yeah <laughs> well yeah that's true that's true rest in peace right <laughs> yes oh and then we get another scene christina's now that she's doing laundry and the school is letting her go on this work scholarship program i guess because Mon- joan says money's tight yep they and she said she had to let go of helga yes she let go of helga she lost her contract at Warner Brothers at this point because now that's who she's with. Yep. Christina? And then, yeah, because it wasn't... Um, well, and then the other thing to mention, too, is like how uh, Christina at the school was... We see that, obviously, she's kind of gained some attention from boys because there's one boy that's kind of flirting with her a little bit because that, that scene... That's Chad definitely coming scene. up. Yeah, that's definitely- <laughs> Chad loved the scene that was coming up with that one where she's like, I under... You know, the... Yeah, when the monologue. Like, the monologue. I understand. Yeah, <laughs> and she did that whole monologue, and then she sat down, and he's like flinging her sock in her face, and she's like, "Stop!" And then the girl said, "It's time, Verga." I think Vera. 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 She was like, "Yeah, stop it." Yeah. <laughs> it was great. Oh yeah. So then we get a quick scene of Christina going in Joan's room, finding her passed out because she's drunk. She thinks she's oh, in trouble. Like she's worried about is, her. This is so. This would piss me off actually i think is yeah if i was christina because we find out that Jones she's drunk but then we look around and it's like wait she's exorbitant. spending a lot exorbitant a lot of money where'd she get this and this and this and she's like oh, oh she's she bought a couple a days ago goes. yeah spending money like, when she's saying she doesn't have it and all this yeah yeah and it's like but then you're forcing your daughter to go and to go work her way go through school. work yeah through the work yeah. program crazy and especially when she's got that big old house and it's like mm-hmm. well maybe you could slim down a little bit yeah exactly and you got that big you got a big old house yeah. you got you can make a she can make a big lot of money by selling that house so then you get your making out scene with the boy in the horse stable here oh yeah i told you i was like oh isn't that nice her first kiss in the <laughs> horse stable <laughs> then we get her in always reminds me of my first kiss <laughs> Oh, and then we get her, I guess, with the dean of the school, I guess you would call it, whatever, giving her one month probation. Had mistress of the school. And my God, that camera shot, too, by the way, when they were making out and she was on top of him and he like had her dress kind of lifted up. Mm. I'm like, okay, we're seeing some panties and stockings here. And and she's like wearing some sexy stockings or something Mm. like (laughs) we we had to get the we had to get that shot in or something. That was just kind of weird at first and i'm like but she's she's a teenager what's she doing mm-hmm. <laughs> wearing that yeah anyway, I digress. 
I a teenager at that. Yeah. But yes, she gets one month probation, but of course, Joan flips out and just says, you know what? She's done. She's not going here anymore. And pulls her completely out of the Oh world. my gosh. She was so crazy with that principal. You mean the headmistress? Yeah, the head, Mrs. Chadwick. Who <laughs> oh, yes, Mrs. School. Chadwick. That's with an <laughs> impeccable reputation. What was oh man? Because notice too when Joan is about to walk out of a room, she has to get the last word. That's yeah. true. And she said, and she says something too like about the school's impeccable yes. reputation. Yeah. yeah, I was like, of course Joan would do that. Oh, and then we get them driving, and of course she's drinking, and she's her this is my favorite scene. Empty. This is yeah. probably one of my favorite scenes. This this yeah. is a good scene because Christina's like, there's a liquor store up on the right. And Joan, well, I'll let you deliver the line, Chris, because you got—I know you want to say. <laughs> I should have known you would know where to find the booze, or I'm sorry, I should have known you where you'd find the boys and the booze. Right. <laughs> I was like, "Damn, she's gonna call her own daughter a slut." <laughs> there you go. Yep. And then that the pot—the pot, the pot calling the kettle black—that's true. Because Joan true. was an alcoholic and a. Well, she's not a nymphomaniac. Her career, she kinda, but she kind of was. Yeah, yeah, seems like it. But still, but now they're back at the house. Game. And Christina asked the question that really you kind of wonder the whole time: Why did you even adopt me? Oh, you never loved me. Before we do that, there's a reporter at the house, Barbara. Yeah, there's a reporter <laughs> at the house who's making an article, right there, and then she tells, because this is what triggers it at. She tells that reporter that Christina got expelled. And that's when Christina was like, that's a lie. And it's funny because right before that, when they arrive at the house, she tells, I don't want any trouble out of you. You keep your mouth shut. And of course, Joan goes in there, tells a lie about Christina. Yep. And Christina calls her out in front of the reporter. And that's when Joan's like, oh, no, she didn't. Yep. (laughs) Let me go speak to you in the other room, Christina. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like... Boy, she looked like she got because the, the shoulder pads. The shoulder that, pads. I was made like, her look yeah, like her like, shoulders. They got. make you look angry, sir. Like, yeah. <laughs> take those out. <laughs> and then they go to the other room, and she's like, "Why must you treat me like this yeah. or something like that?" She's like, "Why, why did you me adopt me? I'm entitled yeah. to." It's like, "Why did you adopt me?" Because I wanted a child. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, "She's like bullshit. You wanted me for fucking attention." Yep. Yep. Is, is this is this the scene where she says I'm not one of your fans? Is yep. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. This one. But yeah, it's a good scene, good build up. <laughs> Basically, kind of like taunts Christine's like, "Well, maybe I did it for publicity," and she Christine's like, oh, "Okay, maybe the truth." But then that's when Joan's like, "Christina, you know that's not true." She's like, "Well, maybe just a little." <laughs> or maybe just a little. <laughs> and then that's where it evolves into, "Why can't you give me the respect that I'm entitled to?" Like Why can't you any treat fan, me like any stranger, a, yeah. I'm not one of your fans because I am not one of your fans. And she's like loses it and chokes the shit out of her, yeah. tackles her down, starts banging her head against the floor. And Christina can't fight. I have to say, <laughs> Christina sucks at fighting. Like I'm sitting there, I'm like, scratch your eyes, grab her tits and twist it or something. Yep. Like do something. She's uh. Just wait until it's over. But you know, thank God for Carol yeah, Ann and Barbara showing bad up. Sex. <laughs> when they did and bad fights, yes. Because yeah. I, I did too. Like when Barbara yeah, shows up, she's like, "Barbara, please, Barbara, please, if please, need, Barbara." Yeah, she's like, "If you need anything, ask Carol Ann." Because <laughs> Barbara knew what was about to go down. Oh yeah, Barbara knew that Joan was a hothead. She was going to be like, 
she was doing what Carol Ann should have done. Try to take de-escalate. De-escalate. Try to de-escalate. Thank you. That's the perfect word. But I think this also showed you too that there is no de-escalating fucking. Well, yeah. When she sees red, she sees red. No way. De-escalate her to shoot a dart in her back. That goes back to the same point too, where when she's pulled off and then she screams and then she like backs off and then Mm -hmm. she's like crying and sobbing again, Mm -hmm. like, oh shit, what did I do? (laughs) Poor dear had a spell. <laughs> and you might be wrong to that thing. She blacks out during these spells she has and then comes back to reality. I don't know. Alright, now we get a quick shot, Christina, going to this, I guess, nunnery. I guess it's some kind of Yeah, it's a like a well we'll just no call it like, I don't know, Catholic school <laughs> right. or something. We'll call it that, you know. That's, but basically I'm you, man, Catholic school will fuck you up. <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. But she's put under the most strictest terms of discipline. You know, like she can't get any mail in or out, phone calls in or out. She can't leave the premises. Uh, God, what else could she not do? Like, it was just crazy. Like she, she can't take a shit yeah, without much. feeling guilty about it. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> and all she was told right there is like, you've made a lot of sins. Mm-hmm. You've done this. It's all your fault because this is what your mother, I mean, that's and they Catholic believe what the mother us. says. That's what they do. <laughs> Now we're cutting to, then, to heard her talk about her two divorces earlier, and apparently there was a yeah. third one somewhere in here that we never see because now we're mm-hmm. seeing her marrying, going to her fourth and final Alfred marriage, Steele. Alfred Steele. And I, I want to make sure I got it. Is this is this is where Christine is fifteen years old at this point? It's nineteen fifty-five. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know what, I kept thinking maybe this was early '60s, but that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Because I think their marriage went into '59. He 60s? died in '59. Okay. Yeah, that's when he passed. Okay. When we get to there, that was a little strange the way they framed it in this movie, but we'll get there in a minute. As far as we see, Christina, she's leaving this nunnery convent, Christian Catholic school, whatever it is she's in, mm-hmm. and she and she's calling John on the phone. And she's like, "Well, what do I call him?" And she's like, "Well, he's he's, he's your father." And I'm like, I'm 15. I'm not going home and calling this strange man. And she goes home. Hi, daddy. And I'm like, bullshit. There ain't no way in hell you're getting me to say that at that age. Well, you know what? I bet part of that was, I mean, just be good. Because if I don't be good, Mm -hmm. then she's going to get pissed off. If I don't do what mommy tells me to do to address him, she's going to get pissed off. You're probably right. I would agree with that. It's, it's probably more so like, let me avoid the fighting. Any confrontation, let me avoid it. Because I kind of notice at this point, she seems a little more docile. Christina does. Yeah. She's not as challenging. Tell you, man, the castle broke her. her. <laughs> yeah, it really did. Like, I think she just kind of knew, like, there's no point at the, at this time. There's nothing I can do to challenge her. She's going to win somehow, some way. She's going to get her way. Now we get the conversation between them. We learn that Christina is now in the, she's trying to become an actress and she's at doing some acting and interviewing during the day and working at night. And mm-hmm. she, she, she does a cardinal sin here and asks Joan for money, which, you know, you're not going to ask Joan Crawford for money. So, Oh, by the way, this is a famous scene too. Oh. <laughs> well, at least a famous quote, you know, where they're remodeling the apartment mm. that they're building there in New York. And then she's the designer guy. He wants to put a window where the wall is, but he's like, but there's a bitch bearing wall in the way. And he's like, so I don't know what to do. She's like, 
I tell you what to do. <laughs> you tear down that bitch of a bearing wall and put a window where it is supposed to be. <laughs> and Josh, you could probably get a quote from that <laughs> to put in there. <laughs> I probably can find that quote. You're right. I'll tell you what to do. Tear down that bitch of a bearing wall and put a window where it ought to be. Of course, yeah, yeah. Joan, Joan's not going to give her money. I can't remember exactly nope. what she says, nope. but we do get that Alfred actually gives her money outside. She's, he's, he wants to help out, so he's at least trying to be active. He's a life. sweet guy. Yeah, he yeah. seems like a good guy. And then it gets back to more of Joan and Alfred arguing over how money's being spent. And I read that Christina kind of took it as she thinks he married her thinking she was a star and he had money. And she married him thinking he was big in the Pepsi that he had money. And Mm. neither one of them were like rich by any means at the the time they were doing. That's how Christina took it. Okay, that's interesting. Because you know what? I thought maybe if anything, he probably did have a little bit more just because he was wasn't he like president or executive or something like that. He was an executive of Pepsi Cola, but uh, but I know later on, after he dies, they talked about how he was in debt because he had to borrow against stocks in the company or oh, something, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? That's in right. order to pay for for their debts. Well, I mean, look at what she was doing with that—just the building alone in the apartment. Mm-hmm. She wasn't caring about yeah. it for her money; was no object. No, yeah. and I like what. Of course, her thing was like, "Oh, I'm building this for you," and it's like, "No, you're building this for yep. you." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Overspending like, everywhere. Yeah, it's like he's not the one sitting there going, tear down a bitch of a bearing wall to put a window there. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But this is what I was talking about framework because they have this argument about the money and spending it. And then it cuts and Alfred's dead. And I'm like, what the hell happened here? Like, it makes it seem like she got so angry she lost it. That's obviously not what happened. But it's just. She lost it and murdered Yeah, it's like. They, <laughs> it, it framed it weird to show this argument and then cut to her in this boardroom with these other executives. Which is another famous scene. And we find out that Alfred is dead. And I'm like, this was a jump. Yeah. This was a jump out of yeah. nowhere. But I think, I, I, I think part of this is it is based off Christina's memoirs and maybe she just went out of her life for a it's few a, years. Yeah. So she doesn't, you know, yeah. know everything that went on. Because at this point, we're in 1959 because that's when he passed away. Yeah. Well, and then at this time, too, they were living separately. So it wasn't like she was going to be there living 24-7, knowing how they operated and stuff like that. At least their relationship. Right. And like you said, Chris, this is a famous scene because I do, I do like this line because they're trying to basically tell her she's not going to be on the board anymore. And I can't remember yeah. the whole quote, but the, the I think the part you're talking about is the don't fuck with me, fellas. <laughs> yeah, because she's like, this isn't my first she, rodeo. Yeah, she's like. I own 59% of this company or something like that. Yeah. You know, Cause she had like a, a more stake into it than. Well, that some of the she others. also had, you know, publicity um, power she did. over the company, yeah. you know, like cause she, and was, she was like, she was shoot, you got to send me out. And, and well, I can go out there and say Pepsi is bad. Hard feelings. You don't know what hard feelings are until I come out publicly against your product and you'll see how much you sell. Please, Miss Crawford, it's hardly necessary to make threats you surely don't mean. Don't fuck with me, fellas! This ain't my first time at the rodeo. You forget the press I delivered to Pepsi was my power. I can use it any way I want. It's a sword 
cuts both ways. You know, which is pretty much what she told them. She's yep. like, well, I could give you guys bad publicity if you want. Or you can keep me on because this was her way of still making money, you know, or at least to make a little bit of money. And she did. She ended up becoming for pretty much the rest of her career at that point, like the Pepsi queen. Uh, she like an ambassador. And she actually on her future projects, her acting projects, she had Pepsi, Pepsi machines or something like that for uh, like the crew and stuff like that to drink on and stuff. And I think even maybe try to have Pepsi in the movies. Oh, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. But I wouldn't doubt it. I know they kind of say that after this point, once Alfred died, is when she kind of became a recluse, they say, which is why, at least in this mm-hmm. next part, I know Christina must have lost contact because this next part is kind of wrapping it up here. Yes. Yeah. Joan going to her house and she's giving her these pearls that Alfred gave her. Which were surprising. Exactly. I mean, so surprising. Christina cries because it's like the first real sentimental thing she's ever done for her, really, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially something that big. Yeah. Like, you're giving me something that's worth really special. Yeah, yeah worth a lot of money. And worth a lot of money on top of that, yeah. Which makes me wonder if Christina ever just hawked those pearls. <laughs> I don't know. I can't answer that question, but uh, co- if she got them in real life, I don't know. Right? Yeah, that, I, yeah. That, that's true. That's fair. Chris asking the important questions that Joy Bayar used to should have asked uh, her Christina. on Larry King's show. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Then we cut a cut to a scene in Joan's kitchen, and she's signing autographs again. But she's like, "Is it four o'clock yet?" And it's already past four. She's like, "I told you, turn on the TV at four every day." Because Christina's now on. I guess it's a soap opera, right? Soap opera. Yeah. Oh my god, soap you hopeless witch! Turn on the TV yourself. It's not that hard. It's really not. It's not that difficult to turn on. The <laughs> well, TV. you know, she's she's busy signing autographs. <laughs> Backbreaking work. It's a well for her hand. It is because that means she has to turn the knob. That's true. Her <laughs> precious hands that she has to keep. She has young to wash her fingers, supple and moisturized. <laughs> All right, Chris. Maybe you'll be able to shed some light on this because I didn't look up and I don't know what was going on. But we cut to Christine at her own house mm-hmm. eating, and she's having pains. And we know that she goes in the hospital. You know oh, why she goes mm-hmm. in the hospital? Like, what is this? Yeah, because appendicitis. No, no, it wasn't an appendicitis. It was a um, oh. ovarian tumor. Oh. oh, that's what it was. It was it was benign. That's what because that's what she tells uh, the producer. Of the show, who shows okay. up? Okay, and Joan does one of the most devious things you can do <laughs> in this situation. Oh my god! <laughs> this is because yeah, she tells that producer like, you know, is this going to affect Christina's job? You know, with her being out, she's like, oh well, how long is she planning to be out? Oh well, the, the doctor doesn't know just yet. But how about I give you a call and Tomorrow, yeah. we'll talk about it? And of course, we see Christina in bed. Yep. And then what do we see, Josh? Joan is acting at, in the same role as a 28-year-old actress, <laughs> they say. She's still yep. playing the same character at her age. I, I, <laughs> I love what happened here because the nurse is like, don't you want to see your show? She's like, why? To see how well they'll do without me? And she's like, no, because your mother is on. You see, she's, she's, taking like- your, she's taking your role while you're recuperating. <laughs> She's like, what? That's impossible. I'm 28 years My old. My role is 28, 28 years, years old. old. <laughs> and then and they see- turn on the TV and you see 
Joan Crawford's old ass on there. <laughs> You're like, what the With fuck? With this young husband <laughs> yeah. and talking about their marriage coming up. And, <laughs> and then she said like, well, and then she even like mentioned something about like her mom, like the character, like, oh, well, I talked to mama on the phone. Yeah. So I'm like, is she like 107 years old or something? <laughs> oh, and then we get this next scene. I don't know. Is it some kind of lifetime achievement award? I didn't catch what award this was. She's receiving. Christine is accepting the award. It pretty much is. Yeah. Pretty much. They didn't say like specifically what it was, but yeah, it's it's life achievement essentially. Of course, Christine says, "Congratulations, I love you, mommy dearest." Might have been, which seemed like an actual. I was to say, might have been the first time she really moment. meant it. Like it did come across yeah. that way. I, I agree with that. And we see Joan crying in the bed, and of course that leads to the next part, which is. Joan is now dead, so this is obviously 1977, and Christina's talking to her in the casket, and then we get the the reading of the will, which as one last thing, I guess Joan wanted to stick it to her children one last time and excluded them from her will. Like, damn. For reasons they know. Hmm? <laughs> oh, yeah. For, For reasons, reasons they, they know. know. And it is funny because uh, Christopher makes the statement of, well, mom well, always did get the last one. word, and Christine mm-hmm. responds with, or does she? Which, they, I think they put that line in because they ended up going back through court and they actually did get part of Joan's estate. Yeah, because yeah, Chad was reading up on that. And what did you find that, like, actually they, the two twins originally end up getting? Yeah, Cindy and Kathy got uh, about 77.5 thousand each. Because she only had a $2 million. She, she had like a $2 million estate, but she only gave them like 77.5 thousand each. And then... Christopher and Christina were given nothing, but they ended up going through court and they ended up getting like a $55,000 settlement out of it. But the rest of Joan's money ended up going to charities and stuff. But I was telling Chris, I was like, well, you know what? I'm like, Christina probably got the last laugh because she's probably made way more money off of her book and the movies and shit than she ever would have from her mother. Yep, exactly. Because I mean, Two million, that's that's not a whole lot for considering her as legendary as her career is. We have to remember you know, this you is were, also in the 70s. That was a lot of money back in the well, 70s. Well, yeah, that's a lot of money in the 70s. In but, today's world, yeah, you're like, oh, two million, what? <laughs> but you almost think that she probably would have had a lot more in some respect. Yeah, but, True, and she, she was a big spender, so she probably yeah. would have had a lot more. But that was that's pretty crazy to think of. But yeah, so I almost kind of took when she's like, well, did she? As her way of finally knowing you know well wait a minute i'm going to tell the truth i'm going to write this book well and you know what there's speculation about that because this book literally comes out the year after she passes which is kind of fast to write a book so there's speculation that joan caught wind that she was writing this book ahead of time and decided to leave her out of the will because of that she found out because apparently christine had been writing just this this stuff down and showing it to her friends with never real intent of publishing it and then i guess um, somebody ended up seeing it somehow and said no this would be good because this would be a it's a pretty big book to write if she dies one year and it's yeah. out the next year yeah and this movie's made within yeah. four years after that i mean it's yeah. a big turnaround because i mean i know like in, in traditional publishing methods like from the time you submit a manuscript and it's accepted to the time that it's printed and hits the shelves, it takes about a year. Yeah. So, yeah, the book would have had to been written before Joan died. 
um, in order for it to come out within that time frame. Well, that's some really good speculation because given the circle they could have been in, mm -hmm. someone probably did give Joan a heads up and said like, hey, this is what Christina has written and probably could publish it. And I bet uh, Joan was just like, well, you know what? I'm going to get the last word here. Just like she would normally do. She always got the last word and everything she said. All right. Before we move on to our ratings, guys, let's see what our listeners had to say about Mommy Dearest. And Chris, I don't know. I know sometimes you like to look ahead, but if you haven't, oh, yeah, there was a lot. To read them oh, yeah, there was a lot said about this movie. So you'll be happy to hear that. Awesome. Awesome. OK, bring it on. Let's let's hear what we got. Here we go with the listeners comment. Mail, motherfucker. All right. Let's kick it off with the cult film companion, because I know you wouldn't have seen this, because this came in a chat. He starts off by saying, I saw this movie in an orphanage. That's a level of awkwardness that few have experienced. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. Hold on. That's, I was like, oh, wow, I couldn't believe it. And then he's like, it's not true, but feel free to use it. And he put a bunch of Wallace shot. <laughs> Put a bunch of Wallace Shawn yeah. gifts of from Princess Bride laughing about. It. I was like, really, dude, <laughs> really. Damn, don't, you had me there because I thought that was real. I was gonna be like, ooh, that is bad. <laughs> he did come back to say, but seriously, Faye Dunaway is truly terrifying in this movie. She makes wire hangers something to be feared. And how the hell is this rated PG? Which we talked about that. <laughs> to which I just yeah. responded, the eighty was eighties were just different. <laughs> the eighties were yeah. just different. <laughs> Well, damn, what was PG-13? What, came like mid-80s, just I, I about? I think so. Some, I, it was one, I know one of the Indiana Jones movies was a big catalyst for it. One of, okay. Yeah, I can't remember which one. Exactly. Alright, so let's see what else we have. We have, ah, this is a new one, so it's a weird name. Twadex. <laughs> <laughs> Twadex, the world according to Xander, says, but the question now is, no more wire hangers? Or should we save a few in a, and a Hoover just in case the GOP have all the back alleys policed? Ooh. Be sure to highlight a woman's <laughs> right to her body autonomy. PSA. Uh, Damn, okay, that was, that was Got good. a point there. I like that. That's a good point. Ebony from the Gruesome Toosome podcast oh. says... Such a sad and disturbing film. Brilliantly made, but my God, it is sad. Well, I can see that point, too. It is it is horrible. It's horrible treatment. It is. Vern from Cinema Recall says, This movie is a lot more effed up than I was led to believe. Everyone said that this movie is terrible and cheesy, but it is more disturbing moments than a Gaspar Noé film. Yeah. It's under, uh, I think for some people, they underestimate the film too. You know, I think that's even the initial reaction from some critics is they, I think a lot of people underestimated this film a little bit. Like, yeah, it, there are some things that are definitely over the top, but there's really a lot of also good things in this movie too. So yeah. The will of horror podcast, this is specifically Justin from them said, never heard of it. And I was like, Really? And even Ebony responded, is this sarcasm? Like, I, 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 not seeing it's one thing, but not hearing of it, that is kind of surprising that you've never heard of the movie. Yeah, especially kind of like within that, if you're a big film lover and 
have seen a lot, maybe a lot of cult classics. This one that you probably should have heard about, or at least have already seen at some point. Some point you come across it. Right. The Talking Shitature podcast. Literature and shit. Talking shit. In case you didn't get that right. <laughs> Talking shit. I love that name. It's a great name. Talking Shitature podcast. It says, don't even own wire hangers because of this movie. My mother-in-law signed her son's birthday cards, Mommy Dearest, and confirmed all of my suspicions. <laughs> you know what? Same. Same. I do not have wire hangers either. Me neither. Apparently, it's not good either for your clothes. That, that is what they say. They say, in fact, we didn't bring it up, but that's part of what she says. You have three hundred dollar dress on a wire hanger. Yeah, well, it creases the shoulders and stuff. Yeah. Which, by the way, I looked that up just to see three hundred dollars for a dress back then would be like paying forty five hundred dollars for a dress today. So it's yeah. definitely extreme, or at least in her time, I guess. Yeah. You know, yeah. not that's a lot of money. Cheap Seat Review says, whenever I give my mom a Mother's Day card, I dress it to Mommy Dearest. Oh, well. So I don't know if he's joking <laughs> or not. I, I, he might be. He's based, You know, he's, I think I've done that before with mom, oh, like well, a Mother's Day card. He's mm-hmm. based in Charlotte, so it's another podcast. Hey, right hey Charlotte Ian, what's up? The Ten Cent Takes, which is a comic book podcast, says, weirdly, I think Riverdale, Riverdale did a comic book homage to this movie. Can't remember details, though. Don't know. Don't. Didn't even know mm. Riverdale had a comic, honestly. So I know the show, but I didn't even know they did a parody. But that's now that makes me kind of interested mm-hmm. to see what they would have done. Right. Pete from Middle Class Film Class says the movie spawned one of the greatest unhinged mom quotes ever. No wire hangers ever. And has been sampled on many pop culture songs. The best one, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is Blue by Jay-Z. Useless Casey says i watched this movie so much as a kid i am still terrified of wire hangers <laughs> to which larry clark responded i have never owned a wire hanger as an adult never will i also remember her washing her face in scalding hot water then putting ice cold water like ice in the water to keep her skin youthful she was crazy <laughs> yeah and then, well, she definitely had that routine, man. And then Casey responded to her saying, anytime I talk to my mom, I always randomly burst out the line, I'm not one of your fans! <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, I should do that. And, you know, I posted the uh, the classic, the makeup poster for this movie that has just the makeup of Joan's eyes and lips and stuff for the poster. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. Gordo responded, wow, I thought for sure that was Amy Poehler up there. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Ah, my buddy Peter from Peter Loves Movies. Peter Bukowski, he says, It's a camp classic and is ubiquitous in gay male culture. When drag queens do Crawford, they are doing Dunaway as Crawford, which I talked about. I think of it. That's how I think Crawford in my mind. He says, Years of it being camp makes it nearly impossible to judge on its own merits. Dunaway's work is so savage and over the top, she becomes a movie monster. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's really good. That's a really good point. Yeah. Nick from Film Shake says, "My main experience with this movie is that when I was laughing really hard at the no wire hangers moment in Diary of a Mad Black Woman like 17 years ago, someone told me they just took that from Mommy Dearest. He still needs to watch it. He hasn't watched it yet. He hasn't watched Mommy Dearest. He mm-hmm. saw the moment, and I haven't yeah. seen Diary of a oh. Mad Black Woman, so I didn't know that they did that in that movie." You know, I I don't even remember. I saw it many years ago as well, and I don't even remember that. But shoot. Yeah. If you haven't seen Mommy Dearest, you need to check it out. 
my buddy Carlo, who I'll just go ahead and plug this real quick. I was recently on Carlo's podcast talking about Friday the 13th. So check out the movie wherever you go. He says he doesn't think he's seen this movie. So, Carlo, I do suggest you check it out. It's 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 definitely worth a watch in your lifetime. It's definitely one I think you need to see. Especially when it's such a pop culture reference in so many ways. Right. Uh, yeah, you, if you see it, you'll know it and you'll get all the references. My friend Jen S. says, if I was homesick from school and this was on HBO, it was like hitting a walk-off home run. This was a staple for us as kids. I was a 12-year-old in 1986, terrified of Joan Crawford. I think of the movie to this day when I get wire hangers back from the dry cleaner. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she's got a good point, because I I remember it playing on the movie channels when I was growing up, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think... if I didn't see it there on my own, I would have seen it with you guys. I either saw it on HBO or watched it with you two. Who knows? I don't remember my first time seeing this. So I'm not sure. No, understandable. Because it feels like it's, it was on a lot. So, yeah. To which Brooke responded to Jen saying, Wire hangers took a serious hit from this movie. I cannot have them in my house. Ever. <laughs> to which Pete from Same. Middle Class Film Class responded to her saying, To be fair, wire hangers are a cry for help. They're temporary at best. Be better than wire hangers. <laughs> Good point. I agree. And Jen responded to Brooke by saying about the wire hangers taking a hit, says, No kidding, but cold cream sales skyrocketed and put a picture of, of <laughs> Faye Dunaway in the cream <laughs> during the wire hanger scene. So, yeah. Yes, mommy, what? Yeah. All right, so that's everything. Thanks everybody. That was a lot of comments to get through. So I like I like that being was, able to get a lot of participation yeah. in that. A lot of people had thoughts about Mommy Dare. So good job, Chris, once again. And yeah, before we get to the business down, let's give our ratings. So Chad, I'll let you kick us off this week. Uh, I'm gonna give it four out of five wire hangers. <laughs> <laughs> I just I love the production design of it. It's just one of those movies that you know I saw when I was a kid. It's just stuck with me so i think you know there's a lot of that sentimental value for it and it's just a it's a fun movie to watch in a weird way yeah <laughs> and i think it's like it's you know maybe two hours long but at the same time it doesn't necessarily feel like that either to me yeah chris because you're still engaged giving it a five chris is it a five star for you <laughs> i'm giving it actually i'm also going to give it like maybe four i want to say maybe four wire hangers right now yeah yeah, and as much as I said about this and how the actress's age confused me and all that stuff, this is still still a well-made movie. It's still a disturbing movie at time. I still can have fun with this movie, especially now knowing the camp. And I am I'm with you. This for me is four wire hangers out of five. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Josh there. enjoyed yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, it's not my first time watching it, so that was that was one thing. I had seen but, this. I bet this has probably the, probably been a long time since you've seen it. You know what? It probably been since the '90s since I'd seen this. So you're probably right. Oh wow! I don't think I'd, yeah, I've watched it this century until this viewing. So probably right on that. Well, you know, it finally uh, was it this year or late last year. It finally had its first Blu-ray release. Oh wow! And updated looks really nice. So if you guys ever want a good physical copy of it, it's out there. It's really good. Definitely worth it. There you go. And it comes with a digital copy. Oh, nice. There you go. Did you, wait, do you have a digital copy of this? We do. Yeah. Should have checked your account, but okay. <laughs> it was, well, it's, it's, on our, it's on my Apple account. Yeah. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now it's time to get the business for next month. And 
we have a special surprise because we're going to be back to doing two episodes next month. So we're going to be putting two choices per person on the poll. So we're going to be tackling, we covered Mother's Day, so we're going to do something for the papas out there. Don't want to leave, let them go, let leave them. Big papa. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Notorious, T-H-R-I-S. Yeah. <laughs> and June, we're going to lean into Pride Month, and we're all going to have Pride picks. So, Chris, you're going to kick us off. I think you'll give, give us your Father's Day oh. pick first, and then we'll, we'll okay, go around, so. and then we'll do the Pride pick second. But they're, we're just going to, you're going to vote on the person, Chad, Chris, or Josh, on who you think has the best picks. I'll be sure to put a poll up the day after this is out. I'll list each movie we got our picks. You guys vote and let us know what we'll be talking about next month. All right, Chris, I was giving you time. Go ahead. No, sure. So for Father's Day, I decided to go with a 90s comedy and one that I think has a lot of fathers to be with their concerns and worries and stuff like that. So I went with the 1995 movie Nine Months with Hugh Grant and Robin Williams Julianne and Moore. Julianne Moore. Oh, wow. I didn't even know Robin Williams was in that movie. Mm-hmm. I've never seen it, so okay. Chad, let's see what you never I've never watched it. I remember you guys talking about it. You'd be in for a treat. Uh, It's a good movie. It's really fun. All right, Chad. What's Um, your father's pick? Yeah, my father's day pick um is a movie I've never seen before. Um, which I know is probably blasphemy for a lot of people. Um it's The Road. With Vigo Mortensen? With uh Vigo Mortensen uh, Nice. I haven't seen that either, actually. Same. Definitely be an interesting one. All right, so Chad, you talk about blasphemy. I'm going to pick a movie I haven't seen. And I don't know if it's a movie I like because it's not the kind of movie I typically watch. But as a father, seeing your daughter get married is a very pivotal time of your life. So I'm going to go back Uh-oh. to Steve Martin and Father Uh-oh. of the Bride. Yeah. I debated on that one. Or Chris, I thought about leaning into the horror and going with the stepfather. But I was. Like, oh yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. But I was like that. Just like, nope. I'm gonna do a left, a left turn here. Yep. For real. <laughs> yep. No, that's cool. I like that idea yeah. too. So I like it. Yeah. Good choice. All right. So now we'll go right back around the table and go with some pride picks. So I'm, I'm juggling between some. So based on what you guys say is where my pick will land. <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case, we'll start with Chad. What'd you pick, Chad? This can also be like a two for two for one, a Father's Day and like a Pride movie. Um, I'm going with The Birdcage with Robin Williams and Nathan Lane. <laughs> <laughs> what I have not seen. One I was going to try. I haven't you seen it. You've never seen You've it? never watched it? Oh, my God. That movie oh, is magical. It's great. That movie is so magical. Boy, we got something to show you. Uh-oh. Yeah. Josh, do you have a backup? I can pick another one. I almost picked uh, Room in Rome. Remember that movie, Chris, with the two the two ladies that oh, are in that hotel room? And yeah, yeah, they do yeah, that I one movie. That. You're like, is she going to powerbomb her? <laughs> <laughs> I, almost, I almost picked Room in Rome. If so any of you who have seen that movie, you probably know what I'm talking yeah. about, what chat was referring to. But uh, Birdcage, I mean, that's just, man. I was, I was having to think like, oh, that kind of fits in with the whole Father's Day theme too. That's and a good stuff, one too. So. Yeah. Okay, I didn't, I didn't yeah. even know that it fit that. But yeah, that is what I was thinking about. Well, you know what I picked out for well, mine? Go ahead, Chris. I, I, let's see. I, I'm going to try it again. Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. 
Oh no! Do you have a tertiary backup? <laughs> well, I, I have one. I hope people will give this movie a chance. I haven't seen this movie either. It is a more recent movie. It does lean into had I gone with stepfather. This is also a horror movie. This movie is called Knife Plus Heart. I think it's a French film. But it is. from everything yeah. I've heard, it does lean into this. Like it definitely fits the theme. So yeah. So there we go. I'm going to go it's with that. So Chris, we'll go round the table, tell your two choices one more time to remind everyone. Sure. So I'm doing Nine Months and The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Uh, I'm doing The Road and The Birdcage. Right. My choices will be Father of the Bride and Knife Plus Heart. So if you guys are listening this day it comes out, just make sure you head over to the Twitter at YNF Movie Pod. Vote on that poll. I'll have it up there. Want to get some votes in? Want to hear what you guys think? And maybe I can win one this time. I don't know though. That was <laughs> I felt good about Father of the Bride paired with the Birdcage. I'm not gonna lie, I felt good about that pair. That, that, that would be that would be a good pairing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, apparently, we're all well, we could switch it around. around. We could do track. I could do I could do Father of the Bride, and you could take the road and put that. It'd be like a horror thing for you. <laughs> nope, we're gonna stick with our picks, and who wins wins, Chad. That's how we're going to do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, Judge, you may win this way. You never know. Mm, doubt it. I don't have a good track record on these things. I think people are like, oh, God, that chat well, has can a we acknowledge dubious one, taste in film. That films. you and Josh, y'all's choice was going back and forth really up to the last minute. You guys kept going back and forth with this, like, 1% difference oh oh, oh what poll uh, this last poll yeah because oh, well, who cares uh, we were fighting for 20 percent because you already had 60 of it <laughs> that didn't matter oh well, yeah <laughs> but what i'm saying is that obviously those two choices were kind of going neck and neck after they'd other. been obliterated which okay so you got obliterated <laughs> but still <laughs> still the point is there was still a bit of a battle between the other two movies all right Let's get out of here, guys. Give your social. Let's get out of here. All right. Uh, IG and the Tweety Box green screen grin. And you can catch me on Instagram at uh, XTopher of Oz and then on Twitter at CBC Monkey. And then uh, Letterbox, just find me through Chad and Josh. <laughs> yeah, I'm also on the Letterbox too at green screen grin. Everything's the same with me. As I said, Twitter and Instagram, YNF Movie Pod, the easiest thing to do. Linktr.ee slash YNF Movie Pod. It'll have Twitter, Instagram, podcast platforms, YouTube, my Letterbox if you want that. So, yeah, that's the easiest way. And as for next week, I will be joined by the d- director of the documentary Valerie about Valerie Perrine. Stacy Southern will be joining the show and we will be talking about Back to the Future. So until then, you guys take care and I will talk to you next time.